Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about the newest episode of the new Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, What If? This is Slash Film editorial director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film senior writer and weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So right before we were about to hit record, some, some breaking news hit. Uh, this involves Marvel. This doesn't involve what if, but I thought I'd bring it up since it just hit. And that is that Anthony Mackie has closed the deal to star in a Captain America 4 movie. Um, Deadline broke this story and it doesn't really tell you much more. They don't know if Sebastian Stan will be in it. They think uh, it might just be, you know, a movie focusing on Anthony Mackie's new Captain America character uh brad any any thoughts on this um i mean this is something that was already discussed before so it's not necessarily earth shattering news they're just you know confirming it so you know my perspective hasn't really changed any from you know when we last spoke about what's going on with sam wilson becoming captain america which is very cool and it's great that he's going to be uh you know getting a movie to flex those muscles as opposed to just keeping it in tv show form um, and it, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of what the future holds for um, the show that started as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then by the end of the season became Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the series continues after this movie, if there's another season before this movie or uh, what happens there. Yeah, I almost wonder if that is going to be like a prequel into, you know, the first two seasons will lead into that that fourth Captain America movie. Yeah. Like maybe it's all building up to a movie, which would, it's, it's interesting what Disney and Marvel is doing with these TV shows. And, you know, we, we've gotten origin stories coming up. We got, um, I don't know. It's it just very interesting in how some of them are spinoffs of the movies and some of them are going to feed into the movies. And, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is not going to be in production before that second season. That second season will probably hit first. Uh, just 
the 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 way you know movies take a lot longer to get done than tv shows um but uh yeah no it'll be very interesting okay let, let's get into you know let's let's not talk about captain america let's talk about what if captain america was last week in what if episode one uh this episode is titled t'challa became a star lord and uh what is uh what is your brief reaction to this episode red uh so i think that this is one of the better episodes that were provided to us uh before marvel's what if premiered um this was the one that felt like we, we had got th- the first three episodes we should say yeah and it felt like it had the most complete story um it had the most interesting take on a specific uh marvel movie technically two marvel movies i guess um and i i really appreciated how like the character of T'Challa changed the trajectory of like the existence of the guardians of the galaxy and the ravagers and how uh, he turned them into more than just a band of thieves trying to make their way in the galaxy, turned them into like a band of thieves trying to actually help people by stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. And so I thought that was just ring very true to T'Challa as a character. And I love how that change um, in him in his origin, not becoming Black Panther, didn't change who he was as a character and really had a major impact on uh, several stories of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we'll talk about uh, once we dig into the the details of this episode. Yeah, I, I like this episode a lot more than the first episode. I know I was a little bit more down on the first episode than a lot of the reviewers I saw online. But to me, that first episode was just kind of a retelling of the first Avenger. And there wasn't... Uh, that butterfly effect didn't have too much effect on like the, how it changed the universe because it kind of took place in almost real time, if that makes sense. Whereas in this show, you know, the, uh, the, the thing that caused the changes in this universe takes place, you know, uh, what is it like probably a decade or so before like the actual events of the show Mm -hmm. so then you can actually see how much the universe could be changed by that one change in history and uh that is what i always liked about like the what if comic books and i I like seeing how very different it is and not just like the same thing but different if that makes sense um I, i know this goes a long way of saying my brief thoughts are like i like this better than the first episode but you know what? I like this better than the first episode. And uh, I'm also a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan. I know you are too, Brad. So mm-hmm. I, I, this is totally up my alley. But um, okay, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, you know, we're not going to do a beat-by-beat breakdown as we do on the other Marvel TV shows. But I, I want to go through it. Let's talk about the uh, s- some of the things. Um, I forgot to bring this up last week. But I kind of wish they had recreated that opening Marvel fan fair like animation with like animated characters. I'm I'm surprised they didn't do that. They they did the thing at the end where it turns into like this weirdly it almost looks like an eight bit animation or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, it, it, what do you think, Brad? Yeah, that's something that I thought they were going to do, but I I imagine that it's probably rather difficult to do that since they they had so much from the marvel movies in order to make that logo work that they probably didn't have enough of what if without showing scenes that would potentially spoil stuff or reveal things that they were waiting to reveal so it makes sense they did something a little bit more simple 
true. And uh, if you know anything about animation, character design and modeling and all that stuff is like really hard. So it's not like they can just like recreate all that stuff in animation very easily. I mean, I guess they could have ray traced it, but that wouldn't emulate the look of the show. So. And it also wouldn't emulate the series itself, you know, since yeah. it's completely different from what's already been established in the MCU. For sure. Okay, so this episode begins with the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 with them on Morag, uh, with Star-Lord on Morag. And Star-Lord has like these, it, it, his eyes glow a purple instead of, what was it, like red or something? Yeah, like a reddish-orange. Yeah, and the big reveal is Star-Lord is T'Challa. By the way, I, I, I much preferred it the way we watched these episodes when we were given them as screeners, where you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. And now, like, they have the episode title and everything, and you, you kind of know what the episode is going in. I mean, I, th- I feel like we still had a pretty good idea of what to expect from the episode yeah. that, that we saw. The third one, I think, is the one that had the most surprises that we weren't expecting. But the trailer has shown so much of, like, the alternate takes that it, it's, you know, you can make a pretty good guess as to, like, what the titles are going to be and what's going to happen in them. For sure. Okay, uh, what did you think of the opening scene on Morag and how that was different from the original Guardians movie opening? Uh, you know, it's um, it's not remarkably different. They make some subtle changes. The biggest change, obviously, is just, you know, having T'Challa as Star-Lord. He's um, not quite as cocky as uh, Chris Pratt's Peter Quill, but he still has um, some of that that arrogance there. I, for me, the most entertaining part of this scene, and really, I think, of the this entire episode, and he's one of the best voice actors, you know, that really leaned into just having fun with the series, uh, is Jaiman Hunsu um, yeah. as Korath. Uh, I mean, he's he's having a blast, and he does a really good job um, just being uh, silly and, you know, still keeping his, you know, character voice from the, the movies, and it's just, it, uh, he's a lot of fun in this show. Yeah, no, I thought the scene was fun, and I think the the key moment in the scene, other than, you know, obviously the twist reveal that it's not Star-Lord or that uh, T'Challa is Star-Lord, that it is how the people of the galaxy feel about this version of Star-Lord, that he's kind of like this Robin Hood who robs from the rich, gives to the poor. He's changing things for good, and, like, he has this reputation around the galaxy. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. This is one of the last performances of Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Actually, do we know it? Does he do any other voice? Does he voice any other episodes? So, yeah, um, I think it was Brad Winderbaum, the executive producer, said that uh, Chadwick Boseman will appear in other episodes throughout this first season. So, yeah, so this isn't his last one, but he he is reprising his role in voice here. Um, And he he says that line... No treasure is worth as much as the good that can be done with it, which I don't know. This, this whole episode, I, I know Black Panther is 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 a great movie, but this whole episode I feel like is a great send off to Chadwick Boseman. Like it kind of represents who he was and how kind he was and uh, the good that he was trying to do in our galaxy. You know what I mean? Like I I really feel like it was. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's going to be in more stuff, so it's not the last thing he's in. But I, I, I thought it was um very fitting of his character. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I do find if I'm going to have one big criticism of this episode, Brad, I find it a little ridiculous that the Ravengers took T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. 
but whatever. I, I get it that they're idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They they sent something that was not from Earth, and it, it, it was, you know, obviously Wakanda. And they go there, and it just happened to be the time when, <laughs> when T'Challa was running away from home. But, like, he looks nothing like him, Brad. Yeah, I mean, but, like, yeah, it's the, the explanation is definitely <laughs> silly. But, you know, it just goes to show you just how stupid, you know, these two characters are and how you know, their their different <laughs> differentiation between like how humans look, you know, isn't necessarily all that uh that easily to recognize. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely willing to forgive it. But uh yeah, the the the, the nerd in me is like, that does not make any sense whatsoever. But um so the the next thing we see they're discussing their favorite war stories of how uh, we learned that Star Lord, or should we call him Star Lord or T'Challa? I don't know what. How should we refer to him, Brad? I think either way works. I mean, in okay. this in this episode, we they know who Star Lord is. Okay, so uh, so Star Lord ended up stopping Thanos uh, with quote unquote a good argument. What do you think of that? Yeah, this one. This was one of the most surprising things when I saw this episode was seeing Thanos pop up as uh, you know not just a good guy but as one of the Ravagers. You know, he was convinced that his idea of uh, extinguishing half the universe wasn't all that great of a plan. And there were other ways to help fix the galaxy. Um, and it was pretty cool. Um, I, I wish that Josh Brolin's uh, voice performance was a little bit better yeah. as I do many of the major stars of the Mar- yeah. uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but uh, it was a, it was a fun twist to be sure. Although Brad, he still asserts his plan was not without its merits. It's true. I, I think it's some of the best humor in this episode came from Thanos as much as you say uh, the voice acting was, not good i i agree with you and you, you know whose voice acting was not good drax and it was not played by dave batista so they actually got a voice actor but like i did not like drax in this episode yeah i mean it's, i i i felt like it was just okay you know i mean yeah. that's just that's to be expected when you're trying to find someone to replace some of the stars who have such a distinct voice which by the way dave batista claims that he was never asked to reprise this role as drax for what if which is very strange because they they've gotten some interesting actors here right like in this episode alone they have josh brolin they have kurt russell they have benicio they got big people why do you think they didn't ask dave batista you know i don't know and i saw because i saw that too and even james gunn was surprised that they didn't ask him to reprise his role and so part of me wonders if maybe it was a thing that like maybe the offer was never presented to him by his representatives because they offered too little money. And so they didn't even bother to try mm. and move forward with it or something like that, because it does seem weird. But then again, Dave Batista was one of the most vocal people back when Disney fired James Gunn from guardians three. So maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there and they just didn't want to try and negotiate with him for whatever reason. Yeah. That was going to be my theory. My theory that is that it took place in that dark time when James Gunn was not doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Dave Bautista was the only one going to bat for him publicly, like everywhere. He was like, I'm actually surprised Disney wants to work with Dave Bautista because he was, he did, went unfiltered in his opinions on uh, the Disney Corporation and how this was a bad decision. So um, anyways. Uh, I have to say too, even though Benicio Del Toro <laughs> came back to voice the collector it sounded nothing like the version yeah. that he did in the actual movie to the point where i didn't think that it was benicio del toro voicing the collector yeah i agree there and they also got seth green 
to reprise his role as Howard the Duck. If those of you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and uh, was it Volume 2 is he in? I think he is. Uh, he appears somewhere else. Uh, but Seth Green voiced Howard the Duck. So they I, they went as bad, like as niche as getting Seth Green, who like probably has two lines in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, but they couldn't ask Dave Bautista. I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. But um, okay. Uh, so in this universe, one thing I noticed, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me here, Brad, with uh, this revelation. Uh, so one thing I noticed was Star-Lord's ship in this multiverse is called the Mandela instead of the Milano. Oh, interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it had it on, written on it, uh, which is obviously off of Nelson Mandela, who I'm sure Star-Lord T'Challa, uh, you know, admired. And <laughs> I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Brad. I, I've seen them so many times. I've been on the Milano on the set of the movies. For some reason, it has never occurred to me that, that Peter Quill named the Milano after Alyssa Milano. <laughs> Yeah, that was like that, that was a big thing because he was obsessed with her as a kid. Yeah, I don't know why, or maybe I'm forgetting it. I don't know. That, that just like I don't know. I wasn't was not thinking about it, and I was like, wait, okay, I didn't even think about that. Um, okay. Um, so the the story evolves into this heist where they're going to steal the embers of Genesis from the Collector's Fortress on Nowhere, and. Uh, what did you think of this heist story? Um, it was fun. Uh, you know, it's, it has like this Ocean's Eleven style music to go along with it to give the idea that it's a heist. Um, if anything, I appreciated the continuation of like the the butterfly effect of how T'Challa keeping Thanos from going uh, bad affected Nebula and made her less of this tragic character. And she's now this kind of, uh, foxy, you know, heist kind of girl who has a very flirtatious relationship with T'Challa, you know, even going so far as to call him Cha-Cha. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, that, uh, I think that was um, very interesting. And as, as the episode goes on, you know, it actually it gets even more interesting, you know, as there's, uh, as, as he's expected from these kinds of heists, you know, double crosses and triple crosses. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I like um, how Marvel in the movies has, been doing this thing where they're like it's not just a superhero movie you know ant-man is a heist movie captain america the winter soldier is this political thriller you know like they're doing different genres and it feels like they're doing that with what if too um probably more so in the next episode than any of the the first three but i i like how they're doing a heist story here and i <laughs> I, I guess if, and I, I like the heist here, the heist here is fun. And if you're going to do a heist, do the heist in the collector's fortress. That's cool. Uh, I guess my problem with the, sometimes with the show is there's so much opportunity to have so much fun in the show. Like you're going into the collector's fortress. The collector's fortress is basically an opportunity to show all these kind of fun Easter eggs in collector's collection. And you'd think, you know, the universe has been changed in such a drastic way that we would see fun multiverse Easter eggs in his collection. And we just see the same like Cosmo, the space dog. We see 
the dark gel. We see the same things that we saw in the movie. And like, I feel like there could have been some really fun things to do with the background. Yeah, I felt like there should have been some more detail, but I imagine it's probably a little bit harder to do that with animation, you know, filling in the background with as much detail as there is when you're watching the movies. Um, I think there's still some fun Easter eggs back there. I, there, I feel, I think I saw like a silhouette of Groot in one. And then obviously later when, uh, you know, we get the fight with um, Collector and Yondu and T'Challa, there's some uh, fun weapon Easter eggs there as well. So I felt like they did, you know, what they could, but they were limited in their uh, capacity to do so. Yeah. By the way, let's talk about those weapon Easter eggs for a second there. So uh, I mean, there's the obvious ones. There's Thor's hammer and Captain America's shield. So, like, are we to believe in this universe that the collector has gotten? Like, that does he have just like one of their? Well, I mean, I guess there's only one hammer, right? There could be multiple shields. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Was there any other fun uh, weapon Easter eggs in that armory? Uh, I'm pretty sure Loki's daggers are in there. Um, and like, it's tough to tell the detail on some of the other weapons, but I'm sure, you know, upon closer inspection, they're blades that have belonged to many Marvel characters. Yeah. So, uh, T'Challa happens to come across the Wakandan ship and learns the truth that his world wasn't destroyed and he was abducted as a child. Uh, then we get the whole Nebula triple cross, which... I'm wondering what you thought of the the, the triple cross because I, I know that's like a signature in heist movies. You always have like, you know, Ocean's Eleven. Like you think they, they lay out the plan. The plan doesn't go as planned. And then you think it's everything's bad. And then like it's revealed that like it was all part of the plan all along. But I don't know. What, what, what did you think of this? I mean, I, I was glad that it happened that way just because it felt like it was a little too predictable for there to be a double cross from Nebula since she has a yeah. villainous streak in the MCU. So having it turn back around and showing us that, oh, no, this was part of the plan that she made with the channel the entire time was uh, a nice touch. Do you think because, the, uh, because Star-Lord was able to stop Thanos, do you think that Thanos never destroyed gamora's world and thus gamora is has never been in thanos's life uh that is a good question i think that it would stand to reason that gamora is still um involved with thanos in some way because i know that there's a shot in that you know uh the the one that we've talked about that has the you know new assembly of avengers where gamora is wearing armor that looks just like the Thanos armor that he wore and also wielding that double-sided blade. So yeah. I think maybe there might be some kind of influence still there. Maybe it's a, a good guy influence as opposed to like a bad guy influence. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. If there's any mention of that in, uh, in later episodes. Yeah. That could also be another multiverse, Brad. We don't have to assume that everything's connected to that one shot, but that's but I'm, true. I'm I'm guessing you're probably right, though. <laughs> um, I, I do like how the Black Order, so Ebony Maw and, like, the other... Uh, I, I never for, remember any of their names, but the goons that Thanos had in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. I, I love how they're now working for the Collector. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the action in this episode? I think I liked the action more in the first episode. It was stronger. Yeah, I agree. The the action sequences don't look quite as slick. They're not quite as uh, stylized, but um, there was there were still some cool moments to be seen. Yeah, I didn't realize that the collector was such like a muscular, like uh, pro wrestler looking dude. 
in, in the movies, he always registered me as kind of like this old man. Well, I think that in the movies, he's probably not quite like that because, like, in, obviously, they here they even talk about how because Thanos didn't follow in the path that he normally would have, that Collector kind of took his place in becoming this crime lord, and obviously became oh. became, became just as like menacing as Thanos otherwise would have. So I think that that's why they made him look like that in this universe. That is a good explanation, Brad. Okay, I didn't even see that. You're right. So it affected his physique. That That is great. I like that. Um, okay, here's another one of my criticisms of this episode. Uh, when Tivian's collection is unleashed upon him, it felt like they had like six sculpts of different aliens. Like it felt like it was like the same six NPCs. Yeah, I, were... I thought the same thing too. And I th- unfortunately, you know, it's I think it's that same explanation of, you know, the background of the collection is they can only do so much with their limited budget and animation. Yeah. Uh, I love the imagery of the terraform nowhere where they have like that life growing out, the, out of that giant decapitated celestial head. Yeah, all the greenery and stuff. Yeah. Did you notice um, the uh, the Star Wars Easter eggs? No, they're very hard to spot. But in the when um, T'Challa is walking through that collection of ships that the Collector has, and like we see like Grand Master ship, and that's when he finds the the ship from Wakanda. In the in the background, on like a secondary level, you can barely see the um, the laser cannon, um, like the the long protruding cannons from an X wing in the background and you can also looks like uh, uh see what looks like um the the wing of a tie fighter as well Ooh, interesting yeah it's interesting. very it's you have to really look for it but it's uh it, it's it's very subtle you know what's very interesting about that brad we didn't cover this on slash home but a few weeks ago there was all these rumors that there was going to be a what if episode that set the star wars universe and the marvel universe together in some way i don't think that's going to happen but i wonder if there was some truth i wonder if like you know that the information that someone designed a x-wing or something for the background got out and th- that spawned those rumors yeah because i don't i don't think it's actually happening because i'm pretty sure yeah. there was even an interview where ac bradley the head writer said that she you know would jokingly pitch you know star wars characters popping up and obviously it just wasn't going to happen <laughs> so yeah um, okay, so the real heart of this episode, I think, is how T'Challa as Star-Lord has changed Yondu. Yondu, uh, their relationship, uh, you know, T'Challa covering for Yondu in the end in front of his father. Um, I don't know. I liked all that. Yeah, I agree. And, and it was the, the only thing that didn't feel quite as powerful to me and it's just because we don't get to spend as much time with them and their dynamic as as characters even though we kind of know them from the movies is like is yandu stepping up and like calling t'challa his kid in that one moment doesn't feel as you know meaningful um as when he kind of claims peter as his own in gardens of the galaxy volume two yeah no for sure um also there's a that moment when they're on wakanda and <laughs> thanos is explaining uh to the wakandans that his idea isn't genocide because it's random right (laughs) i don't know i I just i i know i don't know i just like the thanos lines in this and they do reference uh one of the characters referenced that that what was that not time jumping but the uh where like their faces get all messed up that was in guardians galaxy volume two right oh yeah i forget it's i forget well what is that Uh, called 
something skipping. Or... Yeah, something skipping. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember now. Yeah, uh, I, all the Star Wars terms are coming into my head, not Marvel, the the right Marvel terms. But um, okay, let's talk about the ending. The or it, it, before we talk about the ending, is there anything else that you want to say about the proper episode before Dairy Queen? Um, no, I think we pretty much uh, covered it. Okay, so the ending has ego showing up at the Dairy Queen that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where he, uh, in, in the movie, he planted a seed there. Um, but in this version, that is where Peter Quill is working. He's listening to his headphones, and uh, Ego makes his intro. He tells him, the Ego, that they're closed, and Ego makes his introduction as a long-lost father. And uh, just then, the Watcher tells us, too bad, this might spell the end of the world. But that's a story for another day. And of course, he says that in a much better way than I could say it because he's a voice actor and I'm just, you know, a writer who is podcasting. But um, what do you think of this, Brad? And do you think we're actually going to get that story another day? Yeah, I think so. If anything, I feel I wonder if it's going to be something that ties into another episode or something like that, because uh, it seems like this is likely setting up the idea that uh, Peter Quill, uh, you know, will answer. It'll be the question of, you know, what if. Peter Quill uh, joined his father, you know, in destroying the galaxy, essentially, because uh, as we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Ego's plan was to have his son who was imbued with the ability to, you know, uh, have these godlike powers um, help him in basically redoing everything and making it better. Uh, so I feel like that that's still his goal and no one has, you know, tried to stop him. And since Peter Quill doesn't really have anything else going for him since he's clearly working at Dairy Queen, that it's likely that he will join his father, um, you know, in that pursuit. Yeah. We have to assume his mom still died like when he was a kid. Right. right. So it's just, yeah, he's in the same situation. I'm sure he's been adopted by someone or something. Um, well, yeah, he, I don't well, know. Well, he's probably living with his grandparents. Oh, grandparents. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know where that story can go, but I'm sure we are going to see it. It it felt a little weird to me that they had this kind of stinger. It felt like it was like a post credit stinger that they put at the end of the show. And it felt like they should have almost put it like after the credits because they have this really – you go from this touching moment of T'Challa uh, sticking up for Yondu on Wakanda – and you know to his father and then you go to this moment which is kind of played as like ooh ah kind of uh, funny interesting kind of bit and then instantly like we get the sad music and it's a the dedicating to chadwick boseman and it felt almost like a, a weird like tonal shift yeah it, it was a little bit clunky um but i feel like they're probably trying to avoid doing credit scenes even though these because uh you know the the captain carter episode kind of that last scene also had like a, a credit scene vibe to it and so i think that they're just taking what would normally be credit scenes in marvel movies and just making them little stingers at the end and i think those are the things that are like really hinting at you know the the potential uh interconnectivity and crossover potential of this uh this series yeah so one thing we didn't see in this episode brad is we didn't see how this whole, these whole events affected Killmonger. 
do you think we might see another episode where we see how this universe would have affected him? That, you know, I am wondering whether this will be connected to the episode where Killmonger is the one who becomes Black Panther. Um, because we've seen some hints of Killmonger, you know, um, striking up a relationship with Tony Stark, saving him in, in the desert when he was supposed to have uh, get injured near fatally, you know, and have the, the shrapnel in his chest that, you know, brings him to becoming Iron Man. Um, there's been battle shots of him fighting alongside Wakandans um, against what, what seemed to be, I think, robots. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do wonder if with Chala being gone, if Killmonger was left to kind of like step up in that role that otherwise would have belonged to T'Challa and become a, a strong leader of the nation. Well, that is a story for another day, Brad. Uh, <laughs> you, you can find all of our work. At SlashLone.com, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Overcast, Spotify. If, if you like this, please go to Apple Podcasts and write a like one or two sentence review. It really helps people find the show. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashLone.com. And thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER and partnership with MGM Northfield Park.